standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles, please, and I invite you to turn to the book of Psalms. Psalms in Psalms 1. It's really not chapter 1, but Psalms 1. We'd like to read responsibly the six verses of Psalm 1. We read with me verses 2, 4, and 6. In unison, I will read verses 1, 3, and 5. And that is again Psalm 1. Some would say chapter 1, but it's uh, redundant. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. And reading responsively. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. May God is blessing the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray that you might speak to our hearts in this, what I consider to be the most important hour of our week. I pray that you'd use this Psalm 1 that you've used many hundreds of times and thousands of times in some Christian hearts and lives that are here. And Lord, maybe for the first time, for someone that's here for maybe the first time or a new Christian, speak to hearts, we pray. May you be honored and glorified, we pray in this hour together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm planning on preaching for the next 10 Sundays actually 11 Sundays from this Sunday on, as you take us into Mar- or the month of May, of course, on 10, 10 of my top 10 Psalms for 2020, I had to qualify it. We're making a, a judgment call, and I've picked 10 Psalms that I want to preach on, quite frankly, for the, this uh, next several weeks in the house of God. Obviously, we're preaching on Psalm 1 this morning. Lord willing, we'll preach on Psalm 19 next week. I, I've entitled The World and the Word Psalm. And then we can't have a message, serious messages on the Psalms without preaching on the most famous Psalm, of course, Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd Psalm is the plan in a couple weeks from now. Then we draw towards, uh, we have the Psalm of Hope, rather, on March 23rd, and then the Psalm of the Penitent, uh, David's Psalm uh, of uh, uh, Confession that we'll preach on. And then we'll get to Palm Sunday in Resurrection Sunday, we'll preach on the Calvary Psalm, Psalm 22, and the Because He Lives Psalm, Psalm 16 is the plan. And then we'll, we'll, I have to preach a message I'm looking forward to, Psalm 73, My Feet Were Almost Gone Psalm. I, I picked these titles out, by the way, for the record. And I think it'll be a good message, I believe. It is, the material is wonderful material, of course, Psalm 73. Psalm 100, we can't preach a message on the Psalms, so I'll preach on the Thanksgiving Psalm. And then the last Psalm, Lord willing, will be the Word of God Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 1 in your Bible, and again, it's not Psalm chapter 1, it's Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 is known as the preface psalm, the threshold psalm. It's obviously the first psalm, it's the beginning psalm. There is no author, ascribed author to this psalm, and one other psalm as well. These psalms are known author, human authorship is only known by God, and we like to think that God is the author of the psalm, as he's the author of all those psalms and all the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the originator of the Word of God, of course. And it's a great psalm. The book of Psalms, by the way, just for a way of introduction, is a, 
is really five different distinct books or, or divisions, of course. The first division is Psalm 1 to 41. And we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, Lord willing, as we journey through this book of Psalms in this brief 10-week study. But this first psalm is a psalm that sets the tone and the precedence. It's the preface psalm again, or the threshold psalm, that leads us into all the rest of the psalms. And there's a message that goes through all, the, all these psalms that starts in Psalm 1. It starts in the first, first word of the first, first verse, as we'll look at in just a moment. But I want you to know the Psalms, there's, it summarizes, the messages are summarized in Psalms, says there's the fact that there's an eternity of difference between the saint and the sinner, an eternity of difference between the lost and the saved, an eternity of difference between the ungodly man and the godly man. And the Psalm starts off in verse number one. In fact, let me, let's, let's quote the psalm together here if you can quote it. If you can't, if you say, I don't know the psalm, you can read it with me one more time. Let's read the whole thing together. Here we go. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Psalms are meant to be meditated upon, and I want to meditate in the next few minutes that we have together around this wonderful Psalm, this blessed man Psalm, as we are titling it this morning. This psalm begins with that wonderful word, the word blessed. It's in the plural. It's blessed, blessedness. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's more than just happy. Happiness arrives from circumstances. Uh, happiness, quote, money can't buy happiness, but it do, does keep the kids in touch. Uh, and uh, another happiness quote, when we think of happiness, we think of happenings and uh, somebody said money cannot buy happiness, but it's more comfortable to cry in a Mercedes than, in a, than on a bicycle. And uh, the fact of the matter is happiness it involves materialism, involves things. But this happiness, this blessedness is much deeper. Blessedness depends on standing, depends on position. And I, for one, am in Christ. Christ has saved me. My feet are on a solid rock. Lord Jesus Christ, when I put my faith and trust in him, and I encourage you before the service is out, if you've never done that, to do that this morning in these next minutes together. But I want you to notice as we begin our outline of our, this first and the most famous, one of the most famous psalms, I suppose the first, in fact, I'm quite sure the first psalm I memorized was the same psalm that you memorized. What was that? Psalm 23, yeah, the, the shepherd's psalm. We'll preach a message on that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then, uh, then the second psalm that I remember memorizing as a child, I, was, I did it to get a, a birdie on my star, star on my paper in, uh, in, in vacation Bible school. I remember that. For me, it was Psalm 100 and uh, the, the Thanksgiving psalm, of course. Make a joyful notice in the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye the Lord, he is God. He is he that made us not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless him. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. I'm looking at my wife right now. She's smiling because she says, when you start quoting, you quote too fast. So I'm sorry about that. 
But uh, Psalm 23 was the first psalm I memorized. Psalm 100 was the second psalm I memorized. Psalm 1, I really believe, was the third psalm I memorized. I would encourage you to do that if you've never memorized a psalm. Memorize Psalm 1, the beginning, the Psalter, the first of the Psalter psalms, or first of the, these wisdom psalms. The preface psalm, the threshold psalm that lays the groundwork for all of the rest of psalms. And so I want you to notice we really only have a twofold outline this morning. Uh, we see the blessed man in verses 1 through 3. And then I'll give you the, the point on the second type of man that we see in verses 4 through 6. But verse number 1, once again, blessed. Blessed. That word is, again, in the, the plurality. It's, oh, the blessedness of the man. Uh, it's happy, happy, happy is the man. I think of Duck Dynasty. Happy, happy, happy for you folks who used to watch Duck Dynasty. Of course, there's, there's happiness in being uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, being a blessed man of God, being a saved man. And the blessed man, I want you to notice three things about the blessed man. First of all, first number one, notice his path. He is separated from the world. Notice how the psalm starts off. The first psalm and the, the psalm that leads to the, first, the next 149 psalms as well. Blessed is the man that walketh not a negative in the counsel of the ungodly. Modern psychology emphasizes the positive. It emphasizes just the, 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 what, is the, what we can do, all the do's. But this psalm of blessing emphasizes the negative, the don'ts. It starts off with three don'ts, if you will. It's, and there's some places that we, if we're going to be blessed of God, that we don't go to. There's some activities that we don't, we don't involve ourselves in as Christians, not to make us bitter, but to make us better. There's the, the power of negative thinking. In a strange way, that seems weird, the power of negative thinking. And I had to be careful with this opening illustration, but I was in Ohio. Most of you know I go to Ohio four, five, six times a year now because of my dad's physical condition. I don't know how many more months or maybe years he'll be on planet Earth. But anyhow, so I was back in Ohio a couple of weeks ago. I grew up near Middlefield, Ohio. I've told the story many times. It's the fourth largest Amish community in America. I grew up with Amish all my life, of course. And uh, uh, so the, 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 the buggies and the, the, the kids on their scooters and so forth, their bicycles, their, and the, the homes with the curtains pulled to one side, it's all standard fare to me. I'm painting with a broad brush when I give this illustration, but I was driving through several miles of Middlefield, Ohio, a couple of weeks ago with mom and dad on the way to the hospital. And uh, you see the Amish houses, and they're, they're, they're usually beautiful. They're almost always white. They're always well-kept. They're almost always farmhouses. There's no junk in their yards. Now, there's horses in their yards, and there's, there's uh, sheep in their yards, and goats in their yards, and cows in their yards, but no broken-down vehicles, no... Uh, unsightly satellite systems and so forth. And, and uh, you have the Amish houses, and you can see them afar off. They're beautiful. And I saw the Amish kids getting off the, the, the vans. They're getting taken to school by Yankees, they, they call them. They call them Yoder Toters, for the record. <laughs> and uh, they get to school, little one-room schoolhouses, go to school until the eighth grade, little one-room schoolhouses throughout all that sec section of Ohio. And by and large, they, they're a, a community of people that are filled with don'ts. Don't use electricity. Don't have a TV. Don't uh, get involved with the affairs of this world. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that these people are, some of them are saved, some of them are born-again Christians. Some of them are not. Some of them are just have religion. 
but they have a simple way of life. And then you go by the Yankee houses, and they're a mess. They're just broken down cars in the front yard, and just uh, a lot of them live in house trailers and so forth, and uh, just, 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 just poor. And they're the folks that are doing all the fun things of this world. But the Yankee, or rather the Amish, they uh, seem to live a very settled, a very soothing life, a very comfortable life. And by the way, even, I would say, uh, materialistically, they're, they're well, more well-off than some of us so-called Yankees again. The Lord starts off and he says, if you want to be a blessed man, there's some things that you don't do or you don't partake of. And it's in the negative. We don't think of the negative as being positive, but there's a lot of positives. The Lord said in 2 Corinthians 6 to the Christian, he says, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. This morning, whether you know it or not, you came out from the world to separate yourself. You came to a, I point to the exit sign oftentimes when I'm talking about the ecclesia, that's the word for church in our Bible. They called out assembly. We called out for an hour, hour and a half to come out from the world on the first day of the week to say, God, it's good to be separated unto you. It's good to have you, to have you a part of my uh, life and uh, to have some parameters in my life and some do's and don'ts in my life. Three things that the, three negatives, if you will, but that are really positive that the godly man is blessed by. First of all, he, is, he does not listen to the ungodly man. Look at what the Bible says, verse number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Oh, there's so much counsel out there that's against the word of God, so many, in so many forms. Be careful who you walk with and what you listen to. You can't hardly turn on the TV without getting wrong counsel. I was, went home yesterday afternoon after we had some visitation yesterday morning and got to see some folks and here, there, another place in the nursing home and so forth, and I came home, I turned the TV on for a few minutes, and there was uh, the Atlanta Marathon was on. I used to like running. I know you can't tell that from now, looking at me now, but uh, I always was impressed with marathon runners. They were showing the men's pack as there was about six miles into the race, and then they showed the women's pack as they were about uh, several minutes behind the men's pack. Obviously, ladies, no offense, but last time I checked, and men are, can run faster than women, of course, and the men... Uh, can run a marathon about 20 minutes, 25 minutes faster than the fastest ladies in the world. But they're, they're showing. So they turned to the ladies' pack, and they were about several minutes behind the men's pack. And there was a lady running. Well, it wasn't a lady. It was a person that wanted to be a lady. It was a man that wanted to be a woman. And the commentator said, and there's so-and-so, and he named the name of, I don't know if you say he or she. I'm not trying to make fun. I, I don't know what she, they called her a she. But he said, this is the first transgender woman running in this race here. Well, I looked at her and I said, that's not a woman. And she's, he said, it was a man trying to be a woman. And, says, and the commentator made it sound like this is wonderful. This is great here that we've finally expanded our horizons and we have this transgender woman running in this race. Well, if you ask all the other women that were running, I, I don't think, and he or she, I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. I don't know which, how you say it. This transgender person was in first place to the shock and horror of all the other women, of course, and it's a new world. It's, we have a new psychology, a new, and our kids are believing these things here. The Bible says, the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The more you hear, we're always being bombarded, but we're listening to ungodly counsel, secular counsel, and so forth. The counsel of this world, and our morals, and our, our morals, and our morals are changing, because we don't, we're not situated on the word of God, and it's happening in our country, and it's happening all around the world. And things that were taboo are now way out in the open now today, of course, because we're accepting all things because we've 
walked away from the word of God and the parameters of the word of God. And so we see that, that he, this godly man is blessed because he does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Secondly, look at the, verse, the middle of the phrase, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Notice the progression. There's, the, there's a walking, standing, and then we're going to see sitting here in a moment. But notice that he does not, a man is blessed of God because he does not linger with the sinful men. He does not linger with the sinful man. He standeth. Nothing, nothing wrong with conversing, by the way, with unsaved people. I'm glad that when I was unsaved that some Christians conversed with me and talked to me. There's nothing wrong. Jesus is our great example. And you guys, you guys, I always say you're on the front line. I, I get to be in the, the office in the back of the church, and most of my job is uh, I'm the, the, the armchair quarterback in the, in the office. And you guys are in the front row. You're privates in the Lord's Army in the front lines at your places of work and so forth. And you deal with people that uh, uh, are ungodly. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to fellowship with them. Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus talked to the woman at the well when the other disciples wouldn't. Jesus didn't condemn the woman in, in adultery. He condemned her, but he said, go and sin no more, remember. And he, he forgave her, of course. And Jesus spoke with Zacchaeus. And so we are, I don't want to give you the wrong impression when it says we're not to stand with the sinful. Sometimes Christians were so earthly-minded that we're no, or heavenly-minded, we're no earthly good. You've heard that saying before. And I know you guys, this is the real world that you guys live in, most of you live in. You live in the world where you go to work and they have the parties after uh, maybe Friday night or the once-a-year office party or the business party. Uh, I remember being in a factory in Amphenol in Connecticut down in Danbury 35 years ago before I became pastor here. And uh, our boss, his name was Phil, was retiring, and they wanted to throw a party. So one of the ladies was going around and collecting money so they could buy a stripper so to, to, to surprise him uh, for his going away party. Come to the business, and it wanted $5 from everybody. And uh, obviously, I couldn't participate in that for obvious reasons, of course. And, uh, and so you, you're confronted with these things, the drinking parties and the social parties and so forth that, that uh, you're confronted with. And uh, Jesus, we're not in the world, but we are, or we're not of the world, rather, but we are in the world. And we must be gracious, and we want, we want to be careful how we walk that line, not separate from sinners. We were all sinners, every child of God, but we we're sinners saved by grace. We've got to walk with our unsaved counterparts in, in grace and humility and try to bring them to Christ, of course. And so, blessed is this man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor uh, lingers with the sinful man. But thirdly, the Bible says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, or laughs at the scornful men, or laughs at the scornful man. I think very, very specifically of uh, what do you laugh at at work? You know, there's always somebody that's telling a dirty joke, isn't there? Somebody that's using profanity in, in, a, in a so-called funny way. And, uh, I mean, it's just it's commonplace. Some of you will face, face it 10, 12, 15 times tomorrow morning you're alone. And it's regular. And, and you can't, if you're a real child of God, it's not going to be too long before your work people, if you live like a Christian ought to live, they're going to know that you're a Christian. You walk differently. Lot was a... Saved man, according to First Peter, but we read about Lot's story in Genesis, of course. Many of you know the story, but he, he's, he, one day he, he was walking, and he found out about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And then he, he, he decided, he lifted up his eyes and he decided, you know, I'm going to go move my family there. The Bible says he sat at the gate. He became one of the judges at the gate in the city of Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked above all the men of the earth, the Bible says. And God sent the two angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story, most of you. But Lot, he lost his testimony. He began to listen to ungodly men. He began to linger with sinful men, men, and then he began to laugh at the scorn. He said, well, it's not so bad. And when, his, when the angels came to rescue him and his family out of the city, of course, they, they came to his son's-in-law and says, God's going to rain hellfire and brimstone on this city. And they, they, the Bible says they, were, they, they looked at him and they, they mocked and they laughed. He lost his testimony. He lost his godliness. He lost his walk with the Lord. And so the man of God... If you're going to be happy, you've got to have some negatives in your life. You walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. You stand not in the way of sinners, nor you, sit, you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. But verse number two, notice what it says. Notice secondly on our worksheet and on the screen. Notice it's not only his path, but his pleasure. He is satisfied with the word. He's satisfied with the word of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. God's word has, first of all, number one, has captured his full affection. He delights in the word of God. The Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. I don't say this in a brag or a boast. It's just my personal testimony. I'm on my 32nd time reading through God's word from cover to cover. It's not the, probably the best way to read God's or to study God's word. There's probably better ways, I admit. But every year, for the last number of years, I've chosen to read through God's word. You may say, well, that's... Sometimes the devil comes and whispers in my head, and it only lasts for a nanosecond. He said, what are you reading for? You've read that book so many times already. Why do you have to read it this morning? Why do you have to read it again? And uh, immediately I say, get thee hence, Satan. And the, and the answer is, because I want to. I want to read it. I delight in the word of God. It's my meditation all the day long. How many thousands of times, I'm talking to veteran Christians, you can give testimony, how many thousands of times subliminally throughout the day that the word of God has helped you and as you go throughout your day because you've, it's caused you to, to walk away from things, it's caused you to be negative about some things in this world that you might be positive and maybe receive the blessings of God, that you love God's word. And uh, so it's, it captures our full attention, but then not only that, but it, it, God's word has claimed his or, pardon me, captured his full affection, and number two, claimed his full attention. The word of God, verse two says, it's meditation day and night, all day long, morning and evening and noon will I pray and cry aloud. And uh, Samuel said to the Lord, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. The song says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other, the ungodly doesn't know. None other has ever known. There's a peace that passes understanding for that person that walks through the word of God, that it makes the word of God be part of his life. Jeremiah almost gave up. He was in a filthy prison. He was in a, the muck and mire. His feet sat, sank down in the muck and mire of the, this dungeon. There's no doubt rats and vermin and lice and mice and all kinds of critters running around, and he just wanted to give up on life. And I paraphrase, and he said, I, I just, 
I, I, I wanted to give up, but then he says, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire, and I could not stay. It was the word of God that kept him sane in a place of insanity. It's the word of God that will keep us sane in an insane, or keep us sane in an insane world. And so we have this claim of full attention, this, his claim of captured his full, the word of God captured his full affection. Take the word of God, love it, learn it, and live it. But then let her see verse number three. You see, the man of God, if he's going to be blessed and receive multiple blessings of God, he's got to have some negatives in his life. If the man of God is going to be a blessed person, is going to be blessed, he's got to understand, the, the, he's got to have some, uh, the, be satisfied by the word of God. It's going to be his affection and his, his full, give his full attention to. But let her see, verse number three, it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Notice his prosperity. He, he is situated by the waters. Water is always a picture of life. In fact, there's no life without water. 70% of our earth is, is water, of course. 70% of our bodies, they say, is water. We, water gives us life. Water gives us refreshment. Water gives healing. It gives cleansing. All essential. It's the most, one of the most basic chemical compounds in in, uh, in our world, and yet we, without it, we can't live. And the Bible says, and the Bible speaks about the, word of, the water of life. The Bible says that, and he, that blessed man, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Several things about this, I took this as a, what I call a direct steal, not that any of you really probably care, but Charles Gill, the great commentator, uh, these are his seven Ps for the record. And uh, he, he, his prosperity involves his prominence. He's like a tree. I was over a couple of weeks ago where I was over on uh, Simsbury. We were up Route 10 and 202 and then uh, at that restaurant, at, I can't think of the Apricots restaurant, I think it is. You take a right and go into Bloomfield up over Talking Mountain. You cross the river immediately. There's that steel bridge and there's that tree. There's a name for that tree. I don't know what it is. It's a sycamore tree, yeah. I think they got a name for it, but it's supposedly Connecticut's oldest tree. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I think it's got a limb span, or a wingspan, we would say, a limb span of some 220 feet, uh, about two, of our, two and a half of our auditorium's widths here. It's massive. It's just humongous. And uh, that tree has been there for hundreds of years, of course. It's a national or a state treasure, of course. And it's prominent. And they even I was by there late at night, and they have floodlights that light up, light up the tree. It's a famous tree. I know many Christians don't think of themselves as famous, but one day will shine as the stars of the brightness of the firmament, and as the stars forever and ever, Daniel 12, 3 says. There's the prominence of the blessed man. He's like a tree. And the Bible says, planted by the rivers of water. The second P is his permanence. He's not like the grass which withers and fades away. But there's a permanence to the, to, to the man or the woman of God that's like a tree. They have deep roots. I've been to Sequoia National Park in California. How many have been there? Anybody been there besides me? Several of you have been there. General Sherman, the tree is at the base. It's about 42 feet in diameter. That's uh, to that wall. This would be about 42 feet right here. The trunk of that tree is from here to the wall. It's like 138-foot circumference. The tree is a couple thousand years old. It survived hurricanes, earthquakes, windstorms, 
rainstorms, you name it, it's survived in 2,000 years. I've been to Hilo, Hawaii. I've seen a banyan, some banyan trees. They, they, they grow up and their, their branches shoot down and their shoots and they make, they, they, they reroot themselves and they make another set of trees. It's all the same trees. It's amazing. There's a tree in Maui that's supposedly five miles in diameter. That's a, a banyan tree that just keeps flourishing no matter what the uh, typhoons, hurricanes come along. It still flourishes. There's a permanence to the house, to the, to the man of God, to the woman of God that's in Christ that's uh, planted by the rivers of water. You know, we lose some battles. We had a, we had a, sometimes trees lose some temporary battles. Sometimes trees lose the battle completely and they're, they're blown over by a hurricane or tornado. But several years ago, we had that ice storm. I never forget it. It was uh, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. And it was, I think it was in November. It came early and the, the, the trees were just weighted down with ice, tons and tons of ice on the trees. And, and a number of these trees over here in our field fell down, of course. But our, these trees up front were just a cascade of ice. And this tree, particularly this, this tree out here on the front island by the carport, that one in particular, I, I like my trees for the record. I like our church trees, okay? And uh, one of the major branches fell down. It's like, I remember getting on the pulpit and saying, oh, that tree's never going to be the same. You can't even tell six years later that that tree had a, had a major artery, a major branch broke. It's come back. And we may... There's the permanence of the, the child of God that's planted by the rivers of water. There's the prominence. Then, thirdly, there's its position. It's that stay by the river. I have a, just a quick illustration of a fellow by the name of Dave, 500 miles from here, and a lady by the name of Karen, about 2,000 miles from here. Karen lives in Wyoming. Dave lives in Ohio. Dave was the high school president of his senior class. Dave was Mr. Basketball. Dave was Mr. Casanova, the ladies' man, and the, all the guys wanted to be Dave. He was Mr. Cool. Dave supposedly got saved. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I don't know. But he, he got saved for a little while, but he walked away from the Lord if he was ever a Christian to begin with. Many years ago, I'm going back 40-plus years ago, back to when I was a teenager. Dave's been walking away from the Lord. I, I, I almost always go by his house just inadvertently, just... Uh, when I go back to Ohio. And I always ask, well, what about Dave? And I'll leave his last name unspoken. And his family's a disaster. 40 years, his family, he doesn't have a family. It's just broken and fragmented. Karen, on the other hand, I grew up with Karen. Karen was just an average-looking lady, pardon the, 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 the language, just being blunt. She got married when she was 35. She's a runner. I saw her Christmas picture, by the way, just... Uh, uh, a couple uh, months ago, she sent her Christmas picture. She got married at 35. Her sons are hulks. She married a tall guy. She's kind of tall herself. She, she's ran. I didn't even recognize her. I didn't say she's, she's a nice-looking, pardon me, I'm, just getting, I'm burying myself, but she's a nice-looking lady at 60 years of age. And uh, she's got a nice-looking family. But Karen isn't uh, blessed because she was a runner, been a runner for 30, 40 years of her life, but that didn't hurt her, I'm sure. But Karen walked with the Lord, and her husband's walked with the Lord for these last 30-something years. And her family, her sons have been in the national, I think it's a national spelling bee or history bee, one of those bees, and uh, they're, they've come close to winning the thing. I think one year they won a national tournament on one thing. They're, on their, they're in college now. They're doing wonderful. 
And uh, I see the tale of two trees, if you will. One tree that stayed caring, stayed planted in church, stayed planted in the word of God, stayed planted with the people of God. Dave went away from the things of God. I see in encapsulating my mind's vision for the last 40 years as I fast backward, I see the difference between those that are planted by the rivers of water and those that are get away from the rivers of water. So this tree is situated, their prosperity comes because they're situated by the waters. There's prominence, there's permanence, there's position. There's productivity. The Bible says his fruit shall not wither. There's productivity. The Bible says, John chapter 15, then the same beareth forth much fruit, bringeth forth much fruit. Those that Christians are to be fruit bearing. We're to be bringing people to Christ ourselves. It was in our 815 service this morning here, our humble little 815 service. We had Marta that came forward and wants to get baptized. She was brought to the Lord by one of our members, and we're talking to her this week about getting baptized, but uh, just came into uh, Jackie's shop, and Jackie started talking to her about the Lord, and she's been coming to church, and she, she's gotten saved now and wants to be baptized. That's how it works. We're to be fruit producers, reproducing ourselves and, and make little Christ. So there's uh, productivity, but then number five, the fifth P word is the word propriety. Bible says, remember this, there's a qualifier that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Everybody, to everything there's a season. Everybody has winter seasons in their lives. Peggy, if I could pick on Peggy for just a second, sorry Peggy, I just saw you, but Peggy's gone, been going through a winter season. She was at the the hospital and then at the nursing home and it didn't look good for a little while there but here she is in the house of God this morning. God's given her uh, more life and more. she's got, got some more things for her to do obviously. For how long? I know Peggy always wants to go to heaven now of course uh, and the older you get the more you want to go there of course. Peggy I'm sorry for picking on you but uh, I think you'll, you'll, you'll give me grace here of course. And, uh, but uh, we, we go through difficult times in our life. Seasons of of suffering and seasons of winter time where we're not producing, it seems like, but, but uh, we are faithful in, in season and out of season, the Bible says. Then there's perpetuity. The Bible says, his leaf also shall not wither. The illustration is made of an evergreen tree, not a leaf-bearing tree per, per se, as we would know it. Perpetuity. Two types of trees. I've already chronicled the tree of David, if you will, David that I grew up with, and the tree of Karen if you will. It leads me to a fifth tree, or to a sixth or seventh, rather. Uh, that, that tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing his prominence, his permanence, his position, his productivity, his pri- pro- pri- propriety, his per- perpetuity. And then lastly, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, his prosperity. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Oh, stay faithful to the word of God. Now, rapid fire, let me go through this real quickly here. I'm going to run out of time here this morning. Verses 4, 5, and 6. We could fill in the blank words with the word, uh, the ungodly man, but I chose to use the word, the unblessed man. The unblessed man. If you're not a Christian, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, the greatest blessings you'll have in all your eternity is in your three score and ten now. Earthly life. This is the kindest rendition that the Bible explains to the lost man or to the unsaved man or to the sinful man. He calls him the the ungodly man. The ungodly man, verse 4, is not so. He's not blessed. He's unblessed, if you will. 
Now, God gives us life and gives us life more abundantly, and men are, unsaved men are, ungodly men are blessed by the fact that their heart is beating. God does that by permission. But they're unblessed. The greatest blessings they have are right now, but they have three things going for them, and I'm going to do this rather fast because I want to get to the punchline of the message and be done in a few minutes. But he is a driven man. He's driven not by his own accord, but by the accord or by the will of others. We say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, look at the verse, verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. The, the chaff of the wheat, wheat uh, uh, stalk, which the wind driveth away. The chaff has no power. It goes, the chaff is going to go wherever the wind takes it. There's the God of this world, small g, he's Satan. The Bible says he, ta- he captures the ungodly at his will. He, he's the prince in the power of the air, the God of this world. You're, you're driven by the whims and the whams, if I could use that phrase, of this crazy world. And now we're, we're going in. I, I, you know, I touched on it. Young people, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just telling you, for several thousand years of human history, we've known that, there's, that you're either born a man or a woman. There's two genders. But now we've been told, we've been told now there's 57 genders now to new science, supposedly called science falsely so-called. You've got to decide who's right and who's wrong. You've got to say, well, that's bigoted, that's homophobic, that's, uh, that's uh, not inclusive. No, God's a good God. God made man, God made male, and God made female. Many more things can be said about that, but you're just driven and tossed to and fro and believe anything that the newest whim that comes along. You know why I'm, why I'm digging a hole? Let me finish up here just for a second. just popped in my head. We're going to get to the day... It used to be, there's a name for this, it's called pedophilia. It used to be a day when we understood that adults don't have a right to abuse a child. But those days are going to go away, legally I'm talking about, very soon. We have rights groups who say, oh, that'll never happen. Oh, you watch. The Lord tells is coming. We're going to change our mores. We're going to change our morals because we're not founded on the word of God any longer in our country. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations and forget God. The unblessed man, he is driven. He is, letter B, verse number five, he is doomed. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is a congregation, there is a heaven. And heaven is going to be a sanctuary city. There's only going to be saved people in heaven. No murderers in heaven. No adulterers in heaven. No whoremongers in heaven, no sorcerers in heaven, and on and on we could go. Heaven's going to be a, a place for the saints of God, for those that have been born again. They're, they're doomed. They're, they're, verse number six, the unblessed, are, they're not only driven, they're doomed, they're damned. How many times, and I don't mean to be fresh or be uh, off color, how many times, many times throughout this day is somebody going to say, ask somebody to, or ask God to damn someone or damn something? Millions of times. The Bible says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the, un- the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There is a place called hell still. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So what do we learn from the Psalm 1, this, this threshold psalm, this preface psalm? We learn three things. If we want to be blessed, we want to see the blessings of God in our lives. Number one, 
We must be in the right places. In the word of God, with the people of God, in the house of God. We must regularly tend, like the tree planted by the rivers of water, that's faithful and fruitful and abides by that, 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 that place, situated in the right place. Secondly, we must focus on the right things. Focus on the right things. And uh, again, the word of God and the people of God and the, the work of God and the will of God. Now, before I lose you, the last point I'm coming to with one illustration. Pardon me, I go back to my upbringing. I go back to Ohio again in my mind. A little country northeast Ohio. A little town called Rock Creek, Ohio. Last week, we visited Rock Creek Cemetery two weeks ago because mom and dad need someplace to get buried at. So we were at the Rock Creek Cemetery. And then we drove back to the old homestead in East Trumbull, Ohio. And there at the, the, the massive crossroads of Carpenter Road and Mechanicsville Road are two taverns. They've been there since I was a little boy, long before I was a little boy. Wally's Inn and Hunter's Tavern, I've told the story many times. The bus for 12 straight years. Uh, there was Wally's Tavern, Hunter's Inn, then my grandmother's house, the sugar mill across the street, and then my house, and then the farm started. And we got dropped off at the, the, the Four Corners, and I had to walk the 150 yards to my house for 12 straight years, from elementary all the way through high school, of course. Well, my aunt and uncle, my two aunts and uncles owned Hunter's Inn, the one bar. Had a dance floor, could, had a couple of hundred people could dance at the same time. It was a big enough dance floor. And a uh, pretty big, good-sized bar for especially a country setting. And there was Wally's Inn. That was my best friend's mom and dad. Rollin Chambers was his name. And uh, every day I got off, and as a little boy, I had the privilege, I thought it was a privilege, to go to my aunt and uncle's bar. We got to play pinball. We got to play pool, all the pool we could play. Got to have all the free hamburgers and free pop. We didn't have soda in Ohio. We had pop. And I had a nickel pop and RC Cola and, and the candy bars. Every day of my life, uh, school after school, was they were kind of my babysitters as a kid uh, growing up and so forth. And uh, a lot of good people, another message, and I don't want to distract you, a lot of good people that end up in bars as their former church. I know that sounds strange, but I, I, I kind of actually mean that. But my aunt and uncle, my, my two aunts and uncles, my two cousins, my best friend Roland, I don't know for the last 20, 25 years, I haven't been able to find out anybody that even knows. All my aunts and uncles are dead. Walt and Helen Leonard, the owner of Wally Sin, he's, they've been dead for 30 years probably. Their son Roland, I lost track of Roland many years ago. I don't know what happened to Roland in 30 years. Last I knew, he, when he was 20-something, he killed a man by getting drunk and uh, slammed into a tree at 60 miles an hour. He lived, and the passenger died. Went to jail for it. My cousin went to jail for murder. Uh, I don't even know if my one cousin is even alive. He's a cousin on the other side of the, uh, the, by marriage, actually. And what am I saying? I'm saying once upon a time, some young boys made decisions in their life. Rowland went to church with me a few times. My cousin went to church at least one time that I can remember. But they made a decision in their lives to go the fun way of the world. I made a decision in my life as a teenage boy to go a different way. Why am I so blessed today? Why are they unblessed? Why are two or the three of them I think are dead? How can that be? What, what, what's the difference? 
the difference is not only the places that, were right, that I chose to go to the right places and stay by the right places, focus on the right things, but thirdly, I trusted in the right person. Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus died that we might live. He gave his life to, to be our Savior if we acknowledge that we're sinners. If you're here today, you can be saved today by receiving Christ as Savior and started on the path of being a blessed man or a blessed woman in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, a familiar psalm. I know there's at least a dozen or two dozen people maybe in this room that probably had this psalm memorized many years ago. But Lord, for some in this room, this is maybe the first time in their life they've even ever heard the word of God or the psalm, this psalm. Holy Spirit, oh God, I know that you're able to speak to the veteran Christian heart and you're able to speak to the heart that knows not Christ as their Savior. I pray that you'd have your will and way in our hearts and lives right now. I pray for those that need to be saved today. God, do a work of grace in their heart and life. Lord, bless in the moments of invitation, we pray. And Lord, help us to place our feet and stay on the solid rock, Lord Jesus Christ. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So have your will and way in these last moments together in our invitation call. We ask and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand 477 in the hymn book.